0: Ladies and gentlemen, he's the samurai of student ministry, the networking ninja, a Jedi master of church budgets, the beast from the southeast, the next-gen nerd himself, C.J. What's up, my nerds? Welcome back to the show where we talk nerdy and we talk ministry. And uh, this week, uh, we are continuing our series on music in the movies. And if you listened last week or if you've looked at the title of this episode, you know we're talking about Hans Zimmer. And we'll get to that in just a minute. And I'll uh, introduce our guest again in just a minute. Before I do, don't forget to leave us a review. That helps people to find the show. Leave us a great rating. That's great, too. Uh, Full disclosure, if you are listening to this live, uh, there are two reviews on this podcast, and I wrote one to see if it was working or not. So of the two reviews, there was one written by me. Super embarrassing. So if you could please leave a review so that it moves on down the page, That'd be fantastic. Would appreciate that. If you want to join in the conversation, head over to facebook.com slash nerd, and we can talk about the episodes there. Also, if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash nerd and give there. That'd be great. Uh, I'm not rich. Uh, you probably aren't either, but, but you can kick a little change my way and that'd be appreciated. So we're talking about music in the movies. Uh, last week we talked about Alan Silvestri, and this week we're talking about Hans Zimmer with my buddy Lance. Lance, good to talk to you, man.
1: Great to be back. Thanks for having me.
0: So, uh, so last week's theme uh, was uh, innovation versus comforts. Today we're talking about Hans Zimmer. First, uh, give us a couple movies that that we should uh, remember him from, uh, and then uh, and then
1: here's for the theme. I'm going to give you several in on this one. Uh, Hans Zimmer is uh, the modern day the virtuoso. He is the go to guy for quite a few directors, and you see that quite often where you have a director gets a composer that just gets them. Right. And uh, in this particular case, Hans Zimmer has quite a few directors who he seems to get. And uh, so they keep asking him to come back and back and back. So he has quite a few of the people we're familiar with. Um, Recently he did Dune. Um, He's very well known for the Dark Knight trilogy. Right. So that brings up the, uh, uh, excuse me, Chris Nolan Mm -hmm. connection. So quite a few of Chris Nolan's movies like Inception. Right. And uh, Interstellar, he did the, um, those. Um, he has some that go back a little bit further, like uh, The Rock. He's he won an Academy Award for his work with The Lion King. Okay, one of many awards, I think that the Lion King won. Um, did uh, he, he also com- um, collaborates quite a bit with other composers? Um, he did the um, uh, several DC movies recently, okay. like The uh, um, Man of Steel, uh, Wonder Woman, um, the. Just some of the whole series. Of, okay. Uh, Love to the Justice League. But, uh, like, for instance, you can never really tell exactly who wrote what. So, like, that fantastic Wonder Woman theme that uh, kind of uh, that <laughs> Amazon <laughs> Charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, was with uh, Junkie XL. So, you got like this collaboration between the two, and they probably bounced it. So, it probably legitimately is the two of them. Right. And then something like Pirates of the Caribbean that he um, uh, wrote with uh, Klaus Bedelt. And uh, also the Gladiator soundtrack, which is fantastic. <laughs> yes uh, which he also wrote with uh, Klaus Bedelt and uh, Lisa Gerard, and it's uh, uh, really just in i, I was going to say in a little bit of time but he's i guess probably been like working a lot for the past 25 years mm-hmm. um, and established himself as uh, one of the greats really so the uh, the the theme we're looking at for him and we kind of touched on this last week but it's um, for him it's really important um uh, which is mood versus theme okay so um, in this particular case, like um, when I when I think, and I think when a lot of people think of some of their favorite composers, we automatically have um, a certain melody, a certain theme that comes to mind, right? Right. You have, I mean, John Williams, of course, is very famous for that. Uh, last week we talked about Alan Silvestri. You have the uh, um, Back to the Future theme, right? The Avengers theme, whatever. And these these moments where you hear that kick in and your emotions jack up, <laughs> right? And and so the themes, um, not not just for. Um, manipulation of the moment purposes, but also for that kind of emotional identification and um, you know weaving together the different uh, uh, characters you might have in a sh- in a movie. Uh, but I-, I think that um, just for familiarity purposes, particularly if you have a series, mm. it's really important to have those theme and thematic elements. Right. But um, one thing that Zimmer loves to do is to mess with like just this mood music, mm. right? Where it's, I, I wouldn't, it's barely even music. I mean, it is music. It's definitely music. It has chords, it has structure, it has rhythm. Um, but it's 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 so far removed from being a theme. Right. It's just like you're holding a chord and maybe you're kind of working in some strange elements. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing that, that does extremely well is it fits a lot of the great um, science fiction uh, movies that he's done over the years. So um, for instance um and we'll we'll listen to a bit of this later on but like uh the the Blade Runner 2049 Mm -hmm. you know where you have just this you know it's a a barren wastelands and you have all this um cyberpunk kind of atmosphere and you have um, so many things that are foreign to us that uh, you need to have that kind of uh just this mood like what does this place sound like really Right right, and it's not a theme. you know places do not sound like themes. you know people might have themes attached to them, but a place just has kind of a um i mean you, you might even have this uh, opinion like when you go to New York versus when you go to the Grand Canyon, if you kind of had to uh, associate music with each one of those places, it would be very different right and so you'd want to have a kind of mood um sounds mood music that would um kind of bring you into the place right. Um, not so much the person that might be more thematic, but the place that which is just sound. Mm. And uh, so I think he does that extremely well. But and again, like like with the question last week, they both definitely have their place. But um, I, I think you mentioned last week the idea of having the familiarity mm-hmm. and the uh, the idea of. You know, again, not necessarily marketing, but some marketing, yep. right? That you want people to have that um, association. So the people generally do gravitate toward the theme. Mm. I think in the same way, and if I had to give a rock analogy for this, it would be Rush, mm. right? Right. You, know, you got like a band who is very, very capable of, of doing a, a popular song that people enjoy and mm-hmm. can dance to it or whatever, but they just choose not to quite often. Right. Right? They, they want to experiment. They want to have some fun. So they often, often large sections of their of their music is just, it's not rock. It's not, it's not anything that you can really label. It's, you know, as it's progressive, but it's just something that uh, you can, you listen to that puts you in a mood, right? And so for some people, that's a total Mm turnoff, right? It it is. And it's, and I I can understand that. I really, I really can. But I think that it is necessary um, and, and certainly in certain environments. And for some people, uh, myself included, it's it's fascinating. Mm. There's just a, like it just draws you in. Like uh, I don't even know what to think about this, it, <laughs> and, it, and it ends up affecting your emotion possibly, possibly even more right than a theme might.
0: Yeah. So you're you're saying this, and a couple of thoughts come to mind. First, you're talking about um, marketing. Marketing is sales. Sales is uh, the most basic form of relationship. You know, it, <laughs> I mean, it really is. Like it is. It, you, you you buy from somebody. You don't really buy a product. Uh, so somebody who can make you feel. Connected to you, you, you buy from them, and so uh, that's kind of that 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 simple fun part of the soundtrack. There's really no depth there, um, but it there's no complexity, and so you will get bored with that fairly quickly. Uh, and then this the 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 way you described um, Hans Zimmer's score with with of not really music is kind of like an actual deep relationship that sometimes it's exciting and sometimes it's not. But you're in it for the long haul, right. you know. And uh, I was reminded of uh, a couple movies that I remember getting the soundtrack for, listening to, and going, "This isn't nearly as fun as I remember the movie being." <laughs> and what the deal was is I was remembering those big fun, you know, just comfort moments of those songs, and yes. it was filled with, "What is what is this?" Yeah. You know, "What is this?" And then you look and you're like, "Oh, like in in you know in the idea of Inception, like the train through the streets, like oh, that's what that is. Yeah. That's that." I remember that scene, but I don't remember any of this because it was all playing underneath. Uh, and you go, okay. And so, unless you are wanting to dig deep, you can very quickly gloss over that and go, just just bring me to the fun stuff. Bring me to the fun stuff. Right. Um, so those are those are some some things that I that I jotted down as you were talking. Going, oh, that's why I feel that way when when I hear that music. <laughs> um, I uh, I did a. Um, Classical Conversations Challenge group uh, for a couple of years, a couple different age groups, and we did classical music a lot. And I remember listening to classical music and going, this all sounds the same, or I don't really get it. And then you have this book, Classical Music for Dummies, that breaks down like this is what he's doing here, and this is what he's doing here, and this is when he calls back here. Nice. And when you see those things laid out, you go, this is beautiful. Yes. And it was the idea that you can, even if it's not – Fun and catching, whatever else. Like there is some amazing work that's going on here, and so I would be very interested. In a book, here you go. Publishers, I want the book where you take you take Hans Zimmer music or you take soundtracks, and you go, "This is what's happening. Right. This this second in this song is where he calls back to the original theme seen here, and this is where these two characters themes overlap. I want that book. So make that book so I can read it. I would be excited to sit there and go, "Oh, that's what's happening here." I would buy that. Yes, uh, it, it would. It would be. It would sit on my coffee table. People would ask. We would have to pull the music out and listen to it. It would be. It would be amazing. Um, Uh, And not to go too far back, but you had mentioned earlier, I thought was really interesting when you were talking about uh, him collaborating with other artists. Yes. I think that also probably plays into why he has such a wide frame of work because obviously he knows how to work with people. Yes. being able to work with people, uh, being able to go, okay, I can put less of me and more of you right now, I think definitely makes you much more marketable yes. to people who would want to hire you. You know, this guy's not going to die on a hill and go, it's my way or the highway. And so directors go, I like that. Like he took my vision and he did something great with it. Uh, I think that probably speaks to why he has been as popular as he has been for a long time.
1: And also probably the the depth of his work. Yes. Because he's he can't... He, you have some of these people who work by themselves all the time, and you know, I don't know how many they do per year, but it can't be that many. Right. Right. I mean, you have so much of yourself, like you said, that you put into it. you got to take a little break. you got to come up with like, actually the time it takes to <laughs> right. develop these things. Um, I, who knows when the inspiration strikes? I, I still remember uh, I mentioned Danny Elfman last week, and again, and for those of you that missed it, uh, Danny Elfman, a huge fan of his work. Uh, we, we just not including him because he's not a real sci-fi heavy composer. But I still remember like one of the, f- the first real scores he did was for Batman '89, and he talks about um, being on an airplane um, and just having this this thought of like the Batman theme, right, that kind of thing. Yep. And he just had this moment where it just came to him, and he had to take his little recorder he had on, his- on the plane and go into the, the bathroom in the plane <laughs> and just like do what I'm just what right, I just did right, right? right into the recorder. Probably better though. And uh, with all the different parts he had in his mind, I'm like, you know, where inspiration strikes? Right. Who right. knows? Uh, but then you, you sit down, you, you work with the director. So the process is just so laborious and, and so time-consuming that, like you said, if you could work with mm-hmm. um, people on a regular basis, have more collaborations, then you can kind of spread yourself out a little bit. Right. And, uh, you know.
0: While you're working on that piece, I'm going to work on this movie and yes. do this. yeah, this. Uh, no, I, 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 can, I can see that. I can see that. Um, yeah, so it is, it is funny uh, that... That little little show you just gave me there where you tried to do the Batman thing. We we laugh. So I I play I play drums here and it's so funny because there's all these memes of of music ministers or worship leaders that go, can you do the ba da that, boot ba da that, Can you do that in that spot? Like I need the I need the yak yak can you do that for me? Sure, I think I know what you're talking about. So uh so yeah, so it's uh I'm sure he did a better job of it because he uh, he knew what he was going yes. for um, but but yeah it's 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 fun stuff so uh, all right so again the the theme we're looking at here is is mood versus theme uh, mood is is uh, I, I like the way you phrase that because you're right if it if if every ounce of the movie was the same level of theme that you have in there you there's there's not a a tension and release right you know so yes. so so much Great storytelling is tension and release, which is emotion, not theme. Yes. I mean, yes. Uh, theme is is high emotion the whole time. And so you would – it would – I bet you it would feel a lot like uh, Mad Max Fury Road, where, like, at no point can you take a breath and take a step back <laughs> if every movie was the theme the whole time. Right. Uh, and so being able to – to slip away from that and go well, let's just take a moment here and really see what's happening. Is that that release, knowing that something else is coming? Uh, so, so no, I like that. I like that thought. I like the 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 picture there um, of of being able to draw those things out, uh, and that explains why there's so much on soundtracks. that I go, this is so boring because yeah. it's. I mean, there, there's a reason that they're all those pieces work together. What we're watching on screen and the story and everything else. Um, like I mentioned, you know, you listen to some songs and. If you read the title and you know where it came from, you go, oh, this is what's happening here. And then it means something. It Mm -hmm. means something. Like, all those sounds mean something. Um, But, yeah.
1: Yeah. uh, This, you you have to have those. I I do like that, what you're talking about with the the release, the tension Mm -hmm. and release. Because it is a huge part of storytelling. It's part of life. It's part of any kind of emotional investment into a story or a, a film, a character. And uh, you have to have those. So, like, you know, everybody loves – you mentioned last time the, the dual sunsets mm-hmm. um, from uh, New Hope. And um, everybody loves that. You know, the French horn is yeah. gorgeous. <laughs> but you can't fill – you know, like part of the joy of it was the fact that it was just this moment. Yes. Right? Yes. And if you if you had it constantly, then the specialness would wear off and it, right. would just, it wouldn't it wouldn't have nearly the impact yes. that it does when you uh, see it in the movie.
0: Yes. And the, and the swelling in that is yeah. in that quiet moment. Yes. You know, trying to put dialogue over that, you're like, shut up and let me hear this song. You know what I mean? So uh, it's like radio DJs that speak over the, the first part of the song. You're like, I just I just missed it. I remember... Favorite part. I remember the first time I heard somebody say that, like, we don't talk over the music. And I was like, who cares? And then you listen, you're like, oh, I care now. I see what he <laughs> means now. I see what he means. Um, so cool. Cool. So uh, do we have some clips for this one?
1: We absolutely do. Let's go ahead and start with what we're talking about, the, the mood ones. Okay. So um, again, we're, we're mostly focusing on science fiction. I, I think that for Hans Zimmer's purposes in particular... Um, the, the mood is so important. Like, mm. like I was talking about with uh, Blade Runner, and we'll, and we'll start with that one, Blade Runner 2049, where you have um, this, you know, the, the, his flying car, I don't know what to call it. <laughs> <laughs> his, yeah. His vehicle is going along, and, and you're just kind of picking up uh, just the, the feel of the earth. Mm. Like, what is it? Mm. So much electronic, uh, uh, electronica, the barrenness of it, the, the hopelessness that you might feel. And kind of put that into just a few chords, and what instruments you're going to use. You're obviously going to use something electric, maybe some keyboards, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, his his solution, I think, came out really nice, and this is really beautiful. Uh, Similarly, and uh, we've talked about this a couple times already, but um, the the Dune soundtrack, Mm -hmm. another one that has a lot of um, the mood kind of music, but uh, less of the thematic side. And uh, actually, you'll see some similarities, and uh, we haven't talked about this yet really in great detail, but we do see um, not just a, a signature of a composer, which... You know, almost every composer has something where you're like, this sounds familiar. this the same guy (laughs) who did, you know, whatever. Right, right. Right? But at some point, you're kind of like, I swear I've heard this exact thing in a different movie. And we're going to talk about that in in, in a future episode. But um, so kind of a similar kind of feel here for this clip from Dune. Another one we mentioned just a minute ago that um, has um, a bit of mood, but this is getting a little bit more into theme, which is one that you just mentioned, Inception. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is from that, uh, I think it's called Time. is the actual name of the track, which makes sense. Makes uh, sense. The the theme of every time you go further into a dream, the time is dilated. uh, Exactly. And uh, so what you have, and I I wish you could, on a podcast, you could see this. If you look at the actual um, physical representation of the the, uh, uh, clip, and it starts off, it's like a cone, right? Where you start really, really um, like very quiet and it builds and it builds and it builds. But because it's also based around this rhythm of like a clock ticking, you have these peaks that are perfectly spaced out and growing and growing. And it's actually, it looks like art, um, just the actual physical rep- representation of the track. But here we're only doing a small clip of it that have been kind of spliced together. But you get the idea of uh, what he's trying to accomplish to create that mood. Right. Um, so the last one, it's kind of mood, is actually not science fiction, but it's something that's fairly recent and just brilliant. And this is definitely one, as you were just talking about, that I would never buy the soundtrack mm-hmm. for the soundtrack's purposes and right, right. the score, but it was essential to the movie, mm. which is Dunkirk. Okay. Okay, so um, his his work with Dunkirk, um, I think it was, uh, it was fascinating because the one I'm remembering, it's not this clip coming up here, but there's another one where um, it's this tension. The whole movie is about tension, mm. right? The Are they going to get rescued? Are they going to be um, removed from the beach, even though any historical, you know.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> like, it it's like any Civil War movie. Like, I wonder who's going to win. Like, <laughs> right. I think I know. I think I know what happens yes. at the
1: end of this, yeah. But, of course, you still have the characters. You know, right, the characters, right. especially made-up characters within a historical setting. Right. What are you going to do with them? They could die. Right. right. They, could, they could not make it through this, so you never know. So, like, uh, Tom Hardy and his pilot, um, you don't really know if he's going to make it. And
0: Which is also a funny connection across Hans Zimmer movies as Tom Hardy. Continue. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and Nolan. Christopher yes, Nolan, Nolan. Yeah, loves the to work with him.
1: There you go. Yes. Although apparently not uh, Charlie's Throne* and uh, Mad Max Fury Road that you mentioned a little while no, ago. No, maybe not. <laughs> not so much. But, uh, you guys can look that up if you want. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, but there was this... All it was was a... Was a violin. It wasn't like a single note, but it was like that kind of back and forth, real mm-hmm. quick sound on a violin. And it just they, the uh, the violinist slid slightly, so the pitch changed and kind of mm. went up a little. And it had this effect of making you just so <laughs> tense, like you're just gripping the arms of your chair, like what's going to happen. And it's uh, that manipulation of something so simple. It was astounding and it blew my mind when i was listening to it and watching that scene of what they were able to accomplish was something relatively um basic but the clip i have here is actually uh from a different point in the movie and it's uh, a little faster paced uh more rhythm um, but it also has that sense of like you know something is approaching i gotta get out of here it's that you have the tension but it's with more action Mm. if that makes sense so that's that's the foundation for this clip we're going to hear
0: So you mentioned uh, the the violin uh, creating that tension, and it reminded me of the great composer Marilyn Manson. Uh, <laughs> uh, he did an interview after uh, Resident Evil, the first Resident Evil movie came out, and that um, I mean that theme is one that, that creeps me out. And he said, when all the dogs in the neighborhood where we were playing that started losing their mind, we knew we were onto something. Oh, so uh, so there you go. So it was just that little thing that drove everyone crazy, including the dogs. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, sorry. Um, so what's up next?
1: All right, so um, we, we go through a couple of the more ones that have uh, more more thematic elements. So uh, we'll go ahead and start uh, back with the uh, Dark Knight. And this is one, and, and we could have a whole separate debate on this, but... You start to run into what exactly is science fiction. So, mm. um, I, I actually would, would put the Dark Knight trilogy actually pretty squarely in science fiction because there are some very realistic elements. I think right. it was intentionally done right. to so that it could be believable, mm. like you know, stretch a little bit. Yes. But at least of the Batman movies or superhero movies in general, the Dark Knight trilogy had a more believable feel to it, certainly more believable elements. Um, but uh, so the part that wasn't could be more science fiction and less fantasy. Mm. Like, uh, oh, yeah, he got bit by a radioactive bat. Right. You know, it, didn't, right. it didn't happen. Right. It it's, should be something more believable because his character is supposed to be human.
0: It, it depends, though, and if there's a fan theory, which I think is, is pretty fantastic, especially coming out of the Dark Knight, that the Joker actually had a superpower, hmm. uh, that he had an impeccable se- impeccable sense of timing, that things just happen to work out. <laughs> uh, because if you look, especially that opening scene, the bank robbery scene, like yeah. everything happens to work out. And the reason why he's so obsessed with Batman is Batman has the opposite, uh, the ability to thwart that impeccable timing, which causes Joker to lose his mind and go, "I am so fascinated." So they both actually had a superpower. That was just barely a superpower, uh, and it—that's it, what caused that weird relationship between Joker and Batman. Was it so? So even more so, science fiction. If you believe in that, uh, in that fan theory, which I think is fun. I don't—I don't think it actually happened. but I think it's fun to—to uh, to go. Hmm, that would be interesting.
1: Yeah. No, that's that's <laughs> that's that is interesting, and I, I think that within the realm of comic books, even the different uh, uh, artists and, and writers for the comic books, you start to see. Different takes, of course, yes. on that same kind of thing. Do I want to make him more of the detective? Do I want to make him more in a realm of fantasy? Right. And certain ones have their own takes on those. Yep, yep. Uh, but this is a clip from that. And one thing to notice about this clip is that you actually get some of those same things, like, for instance, in the, in the Dune and then the Blade Runner soundtrack where you had these swells of brass. Um, like that just was like a single chord or a few, a couple notes together, and you just kind of swell them and then pull them back down like mm. a crescendo and decrescendo, and you actually have that, um, and, but in a more thematic sense mm. within, with with uh, with the Batman theme that, or the uh, Dark Knight theme. Another one here, uh, a similar vein, would be the Man of Steel, and uh, this part that I chose, um, I just probably the most emotional part, and it's some actually really good uh, parts. There's so much. Uh, <laughs> people have these very preconceived notions because of what has been talked about in the media, mm. possibly their own opinion, but honestly, I think most of these are based on what they've been hearing other people say mm. about the uh, Zack Snyder, the Snyderverse, right, the the DC recent DC movies. Um, um, but I, I think pretty much across the board, everybody thinks that Henry Cavill does make a really good Superman, mm. and um, there were some really good moments in uh, uh, Man of Steel, and I, I definitely believe that. And uh, one of those I think was a really cool one was his uh, learning to fly, kind of moment, right? And um, the the voice overhead, mm-hmm. and then his kind of the struggle mm. in the moment, right? Not like not like struggling against you know, his past or anything like that, but the struggle of like. Being the best he can be so that he can, um, you know, really save the ones he loves. He can make an impact here on Earth. You know, that kind of uh, just all that emotion into this um, this music. And it's not quite what I would call a theme, but it's it's more thematic mm. than it is mood. And uh, so it's a really, really beautiful piece of movement uh, music that you can actually, if you close your eyes and you've actually seen the movie, you can pretty much... Picture him right struggling to jump high, not quite a flight, but you know a big jump, mm. and uh, so that's that's what we're listening to here. Pieces that um, as was thematic, and uh, CJ and I were just talking about this was uh, the Rock. Yes, yes, yes.
0: You played it, and you're like, "What does it sound like?" You know, let's listen to it, and then we'll talk about what we said. Let's listen to it, and then I'll, I'll share. Yeah. So, so you asked me, you go, "What movie is that?" And I went, uh, "Transformers." And you're like, "That does sound like Transformers." Keep listening, and it was like six more seconds, and I'll go, "That's the Rock." That is definitely <laughs> it. Like I could, I could, I could just see it. Which, what's funny is, is that sound that that song in particular. Um, and uh, the Metal Gear Solid theme, which is a similar feel, <laughs> are so similar the two. So, so and I always get that picture of you know TAT Gear and running along a, 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 a you know next to a base or whatever else. So, uh, but yes, yeah, so I was like that is definitely what it sounds like. And you play a little more, I go, and it also sounds like Pirates of the Caribbean. Like it was there were so many of those yes. things that 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 signature, that audio signature you were talking about, uh, was kind of neat.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, and for those of us who actually saw The Rock, we were talking about, you know, Nick Cage movies or something. For me, it was a Sean Connery movie.
0: I I hear you there. I hear you there. (laughs) I
1: hear you there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it it had such a great cast. Yes. Um, Ed Harris and and Sean Connery and and Nick Cage and several other just, it was, it was a really of its time. It's the best way I can say that. Yes. Um, Like a a blockbuster of its time. But, uh, the music was a huge part, huge part of that.
0: Well, if you take your standard storytelling theme, uh, Sean Connery would be considered the guide, and yes. Nick Cage would be the hero. So yes. uh, it'd be hard to call it a Sean Connery movie when he's the guide. But uh, but I do understand your desire to do so <laughs> to to give it more credibility as a great movie. Because yes. uh, with Nick Cage, he's he's got some good ones, but he's got a whole lot of stinkers. So uh, if you're wanting to pitch it to somebody, you're right. Maybe you should go. Hey, you should see this really cool Sean Connery oh, I mean, film uh, rather than uh, rather than the, uh, than uh, than the Nick Cage film.
1: Yeah. some we could cue the uh, James Bond theories. Yes. You know, fan theories. <laughs> About yes. the Rock, oh uh, yes, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, uh, the last one I'm going to play here is a clip from The Lion King. I'm mostly including this for, for two reasons. One is just versatility, right? Um, they, like I said, all these composers are just are so amazingly versatile. Uh, but uh, also because it was Academy Award winning, and um, uh, also because it, it, I think unfortunately it really does get overlooked in the movie mm. because um, the movie had so many like uh, just timeless songs that people sing along with. Right, um, But they rarely think of those moments. So I, I took the one that I think of. There, there are a couple that really jump out at me. Um, one is at the end when he first climbs up on Pride Rock and or, uh, when uh, Simba comes back and climbs up there in the rain and this beautiful music there. But the one I'm, I'm about to uh, introduce here is the one where he's confused. He just found out um, that... Uh, it, the people don't think, or the lions don't think of him the way they, he thinks that they did. Should he go back? Nala wants him to go back, right. but he doesn't really want to. He has a confrontation um, with Rafiki. And so you have this moment, and he ends up seeing the ghost of his father. Right. You, you all know the, the yeah, part I'm talking about. And there's a beautiful piece of music that we're going to listen to here. So uh, I guess with all these different uh, themes, I guess this, this pretty much goes back to the for, 90s for Zimmer. I, I believe his career started a little before that, but um, he has just a, a massive. Uh, he has like a, a over two hundred twenty composer credits mm. in that period of time, which is just you know a phenomenal amount, a number. And uh, I think uh, I think it, his actual composing started in the early eighties, but you know, the the ones we are familiar right. with, right, were in the nineties and. Um, he's one of those ones you start to, you know, you're going to hear in years to come. I think he, for science fiction purposes, aside from one or two others we're going to listen to later on, um, it really does a great job of grasping what is necessary for this particular movie mm-hmm. in this particular moment. Of um, not overdoing it, not necessarily, like you said, having to have a theme all the time, but having um, enough experimentation to try to create something unique even though it still has a familiarity. It's still very much Zimmer. Right. But it's uh, unique enough to be like, oh, this is a new world that we're listening to. Very nice.
0: Very nice. Well, cool. So that
1: is week two in the bag.
0: Again, mood versus theme. Hope you guys are enjoying the series. We're going to pick it up next week. Our composer next week is James Horner. So we're going to we're gonna jump back in next week with that. Uh, and like I mentioned at the top of the show, don't forget to leave us a review. Leave a rating. That'd be fantastic. Uh, join the conversation at... Uh, Facebook.com slash NextGenNerd, and you can contribute to the show at Patreon.com slash NextGenNerd. Guys, we appreciate you spending time with us, and we'll see you next week.